0: Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, Crossroads Church, can you dig it? Yeah, well, you better be able to dig it, all right, because this week, does this look awesome or what? Well, it is good to be back uh, here at Crossroads. Carrie and I uh, were on vacation this past week. We uh, went all over the, it seemed like the East Coast, and we are blessed and happy to be back in uh, church this morning, Um, and I just want to say thank you. Thank you to Josh. Tell of sin for last week, uh, preaching the message for us. They do an awesome job. Amen. And then um, the week before, Pastor Lee, man, he just uh, preached and did the mic drop at the end. And uh, you didn't know an 88-year-old man was capable of doing mic drops. But uh, he did, and then the week before that on Father's Day when we ordained, Pastor Jake and he preached to us. So, oh my goodness, thank you. Thank you, church, for being a part of our um, summer guest speaker series. And so, um, man, that was, it was hard for me to, to be here those weeks and um, not jump up here and, and preach. But you know what? I've been saving it all up for today. Today. Yeah, I got three hours worth of message that I'm going to squeeze into 20 minutes, all right? So um, anyways, I want to say thank you all. Thank you all for being here this morning. Um, and kids, who's coming to Vacation Bible School? All right, you know, I, rumor has it uh, we recruited the best teacher to lead the fifth and sixth graders, so, um, you know, if you're in 5th or 6th grade, you want to be here, I hear, you know, that they've got the best classroom, the best teacher, the best support staff. Um, I don't want to throw names out, you know, and discourage anyone, but I just want you 5th and 6th graders to know you've got a special week ahead of you, all right? Um, okay, Uh, If you would, uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you three places, because I'm going to move fast today, and uh, mark these in your Bible, all right? So Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, Jeremiah 29, and Isaiah 53. So if you've got those, just have those close by, ready to turn to Acts chapter 8, Jeremiah 29, and Isaiah 53. 53. Let's open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for uh, the men who were able to fill this uh, pulpit and speak uh, your message and your word. And God, I just thank you that our church has the ability, has men that love you, that are uh, willing to stand up and proclaim the gospel. Lord, I ask that you would uh, be with all of our Vacation Bible School workers Um, and just uh, fill them with energy, fill them uh, with health. And Lord, we know things are going to get chaotic this week, and help us to remember, Lord, that the reason why we're doing this is to lift up the name of Jesus. And God, I just ask that everyone that's here today, everyone that's watching online, Lord, that you would just allow their hearts to, to leave behind everything, all of the cares, the worries of this world. And just for the next 20 minutes, God, hear the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you found Acts chapter eight, I'm going to read, uh, in, I'm going to start there today. And verse 26 says these words Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, at the beginning of this chapter, matter of fact, in verse four, it tells us this that now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And so this this young man named Philip, he uh, is called Philip the Evangelist. Today, you're going to see why that he got that title. But here in verse 26, it says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, How many people would like an angel of the Lord to approach you and speak to you? Yeah, all right. Um, You know, it sounds exciting. It sounds like it would be fun. But everybody that I read about in the Bible that encountered the angel of the Lord, like the angel of the Lord said, Hey, get up off of the ground. Um, So they they were petrified. They were scared. And so I don't know if that happened here with Philip, but um, here's what the angel of the Lord said to Philip He said, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now think about this. Here's the the stage is set. All right, We have uh, Philip the evangelist. We have the church being persecuted, and that persecution um, created the need for uh, Christians to go throughout the the nation and ultimately the world. Um, Have you ever been in a place where... If it was up to you, you would not have made the change. Guys, I got all kinds of echo back here. So if you can take me out of the monitors or whatever else, I feel like I got three people up here preaching. Um, And so here was Philip. The evangelist, he got um, sent out and there were many other preachers that were going. And what it says was that wherever they went, they preached the name of Jesus. And then this angel, of the Lord, tells him to go and approach this young man who was an Ethiopian eunuch. And so there's a couple of things about this. Number one, he's Ethiopian. That means he wasn't Jewish. All right, he was different. He was a eunuch. Um, adults, that means he was castrated. He was probably conquered, his country was. And they kept the, the, the brightest, and then they would castrate them and, and get the you know, use their brain power. He was a government worker, all right? Any government workers in here? Okay, well, this Ethiopian eunuch was a government worker, all right? And um, not only that, he worked in finance, all right? He controlled the purse and the money of the queen of Ethiopia. And then finally, it says that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And now he's on his way home, and this uh, angel of the Lord tells uh, Philip what to do, and he says, go over and join his chariot. Now, I don't know about you, but every time that I've heard this story, I always pictured the chariot just sitting there on the side of the road. And I'm sorry, Philip's, you know, looking over there and the angel said, yep, that's where you go and and going over there and talk to him. But really, from the words, what we understand is that the uh, chariot was moving. And so here's what it says. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So here Isaiah is, I'm sorry, here is Philip in this Ethiopian eunuch and the book of Isaiah being read. Now, it's interesting that we are doing Destination Dig because one of the things about Destination Dig is that um, there are evidences that everything that we read in this Bible are true. Everything. As a matter of fact, did you enjoy the kids up here singing earlier? I mean, did, did you see those, those motions that they were doing? Come back next Sunday and you're going to see a bunch of adults doing those motions with them. All right? Trust me. All right, even the fifth and sixth grade teacher I hear um, will probably be doing those motions. Okay? And so, um, Mr. Hunter, did y'all see Hunter up here singing? Hunter, come up here, please. How are you doing today? Good. All right. Guys, say hey to Hunter. Hey, hey. Hello. All right. Hunter, how old are you? I'm 10. 10. All right. Now, now, I got a question for you. If you were out with one of your buddies, and and, and sometimes, I don't know what 10-year-olds do nowadays, but I when I was a 10-year-old, uh, if, if I saw rocks, sometimes I'd pick them up and I'd throw them. it's yeah, not a good choice. Well, I know that, and you know that, yeah. but when I was 10, I didn't know that. And and so let's just say you're throwing rocks and you throw a rock and you hear glass break. What would you do? You'd go see it. Ah, See, that's what's different between you and me. I'd act like it didn't happen. All right. Go ahead, go sit back down, Hunter. It's not in the Bible. But in 1947, there was a young Bedouin shepherd boy, about 10 years old, about hunter's age. And him and two of his buddies, (laughs) I don't know what the sheep were doing, but they started throwing rocks. And where they were at, there were mountains and there were caves built in the mountains. And so they were throwing the rocks to go into the caves. And when they threw the rock into one of the caves, they heard a crack. It wasn't glass, 1947. They weren't putting glass in caves. What it was was a pot like this, made out of clay. But th- these young men weren't like Hunter and when they went to go check on it. They were like Pastor Ronnie when he was 10 years old. And they went home and, and told no one about it. And then that next morning, they finally had a conversation with one of their parents and said, hey, we were throwing rocks and we heard this noise. And so they went and checked out the cave and they found what we call now the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found artifacts of the original text that were thousands of years old. There was 11 different caves that they've discovered This material, they found remnants of every book of the Old Testament, except for Esther. And what I found amazing was they found one scroll that had the entire book of Isaiah on it. Matter of fact, if we unrolled it, if we set it, it's 24 feet long. We set it over here, it would go all the way to the other side of the stage. And because it was in this region of the Dead Sea, there's very salty, it preserved these parchment papers better than any other way that they could have. And so today you can actually go and tour and see that scroll of Isaiah unrolled that 24 feet of length. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch had. He had that scroll and he was reading and he was rolling that little piece of paper either way as he read. I want to share with you about another prophet, and if you found those three different areas, go to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jer- Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13 is our verse of the week, kids, so this is a good verse to memorize. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, let me ask you this, have you ever been looking for something but not really looking Now, hold on, parents, I'm not talking about your kids when you tell them to go get the bottle of ketchup that's sitting in the refrigerator door, like everybody that opens the refrigerator door sees the bottle of ketchup, but when your child goes and opens up the refrigerator door, it disappears, and you send them three times, and they promise you it's not there, and you go, and all of a sudden, the magic happens, and it's there. I'm not talking about that. Wives, I'm not talking about your husbands. When you ask them to find something in your purse. All right? That, that it ain't, ain't there. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about have you ever been looking for something but not really looking? I mean, you, you, you told yourself that you were looking. Well, th- this happened to me over there. This has been a process that's been going on for the last 18 to 24 months and Friday, it came to a head. Friday, we were uh, about to leave the house. We were actually uh, going to um, a, a funeral viewing, and as we were going out the the back in the car out of the garage, the garage door started coming down and it stopped about halfway. And I heard a loud bang. Those, those aren't good sounds. All right, the, and, and so I, I did what everyone does, and I, I pushed the button to. On it, You know, maybe it just needed a little more emphasis, and that wasn't it, folks. And so um, I did, I, I've been playing with this garage door for two years, and so what happens is I go in there, and I can see it, and there's this one wheel that pops off, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm dressed up, and it's hot and muggy, I'm starting to sweat, and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to leave this, I'm going to get this later on this evening. Later on that evening, I go out there with a hammer, and I fix the problem. Have you ever done that? You know, hammers, they work on a lot of things. I just want you to know. And uh, the hammer worked. I fixed the problem. I was able to get the the garage door up and down. But I noticed that the, the garage door opener had detached from the garage door. And so, because I had been chasing this problem for a while, I did the only thing I knew to do, and I texted Roger Kern. I texted, I said, Roger, my door just fell apart. Um, I didn't tell him the rest of the story that I've been trying to fix it for two years. And he said, well, you know what, Uh, I'll come by tomorrow evening, and I'll take a look at it. He comes by, and he takes a look at it. I was looking at it, too, for two years. I was looking at it. He goes in there and does this little thing and that little thing. I see the problem. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. And sure enough, one of the rails was bent sideways. Now, guys, I looked at this thing every day. I didn't see that it was bent. Not only that, um, I'm still kind of, I'm not mechanically inclined, folks. I can do certain things with hammers. And beyond that, it's a hit or miss. And so um, he goes up there, and then he pushes on this piece of board that was fastened to the wall, and it should be solid, right? It wasn't. It moved like a, 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 a swing. He goes, it's not supposed to be doing this. And I'm like, I got that. You see, I was looking for the problem, but I wasn't. And, and so what I was looking for, I just wanted the door to open and shut. And so I used a hammer, and the door opened and shut. And then it would stop again a couple months later, and I would use the hammer, and it would open and shut. Until finally, when it ripped the door apart, that I decide that maybe, just maybe, the hammer wasn't the only solution to this problem that I kept facing. You know, when I think about what this verse says, it says, you will seek me and find me. I, I realize that there's three types of people when it comes to this concept of seeking God. Number one is there one group of people is this. These are people who do not seek God. You may be here this morning and, and, and you even ask yourself, I don't even know why I'm at church. I mean, I have no interest in God. I'm not looking to have a relationship with God. Um, or it may be somebody who... Uh, if you ask them, why, why don't you want to have a relationship with God, they would tell you, you know what, I used to pray and God didn't answer my prayer, so you know what, I'm just going to stop. Or maybe it is um, people, they don't want to be involved with church or have a relationship with God because right now they're in a season of life where the one thing they are seeking is pleasure. They're seeking things that uh, give them joy, that makes them feel good about themselves. And and none of it has to do with anything inside the walls of this church. Or maybe they've had a crisis of faith. I had a conversation with a great friend and he said, Ron, I'm struggling this week. A a, a man who I know loves God, a man who I know um, has served God. And yet here he is in the middle of a crisis of faith, wondering, is, is all this real? That's the first group, people who are, are not seeking God. And the second group I believe that are probably represented here is that there are people who are seeking God, but they're not seeking God first. The great theologian Alan Jackson in 1994 pinned the words to a song called The Summertime Blues. Maybe you're all familiar with that. In the summertime blues, he, he, Alan Jackson is telling the story of a, a young student who's off for the summer and is being forced to work a job so that he has money to do things on Friday nights and Saturday nights, and he doesn't like that. And I think that, you know what, that it, that's not just kids in high school and in between grades and in between the end of school, and the beginning of the the next year, I think that there are Christians who get the summertime blues. And they kind of take the summer off for seeking God. They take the summer off from reading the Bible. They take the summer off from putting God first in their life. I mean, you see it every Sunday. Uh, the, the be- I mean, was this a beautiful morning? And last night, that, that rainstorm, and the night before, and I hear uh, the next couple of nights. <laughs> and yet what you'll find is that a lot of Christians quit seeking God during the summer. Now, you know, I, I want you to know there's nothing wrong with taking a vacation. I just got back from one. All right. But here's what I would tell you is um, the vacation doesn't need to be permanent. And the reality is that there are people who take a vacation from church. And they make it permanent. It's kind of like somebody who's taking college classes and um, they're working and taking classes and, and they make the fatal mistake that I made. And that is they take a semester off. Anyone going through college ever take a semester off? I took a semester off, and 10 years later, I hadn't started it back up. You know, that happens in church, too. People take a week off. Pe- people take a couple of weeks off. Maybe they, you know what, I'm just not going to do the devotions today. I'm just, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm not going to listen to uh, the message on Sirius Satellite. You know, I'm going to listen to the great theologian Alan Jackson uh, this week um, as he sings about the Chattahoochee River. You know, maybe if you're here this morning, you you may be one of those who are seeking God but not seeking him first. And, And if you are honest with yourself and if you are honest with God, you'd rather be somewhere else. You'd rather be on the lake. You'd rather be fishing. You'd rather be doing something else. But here's what I want you guys to understand is that God should not be our backup plan in life. Many of us, we go through life and we make decisions and we ask God to bless those decisions. And I've even seen the bumper stickers. And and if you've got this bumper sticker on your car, take it off immediately, no. Um, And it said, God is my co-pilot. It's cute, all right? But the concept is really bad. I don't want God to be my co-pilot. I want to be the co-pilot. I want God to be the pilot. And, and so when it comes to seeking God, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me. So there are people who are not seeking God. There are people who are seeking God and not putting him first. And then there are people who are seeking God. Now, I don't know if you all remember, but when we went through um, the series uh, Transformed, there, there was, I talked to you each week about there's a promise and then there's a premise. Here we see this in Jeremiah 29:13. Here's the promise, "You will seek me and find me." But here's the premise. If, if you want to find God, if you want to find Jesus who we've sung about in every song this morning, read the rest of the verse. It says, "When you seek me with all your heart, it's not enough to want to have a relationship with God. It's not enough to want to seek God. It's not enough to want God to bless us. What he says here, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says these words, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. And the reality is that many of us struggle with that concept of having a heart. And and the perfect doesn't mean you're perfect. What that word means is complete. Whose heart is completely focused on God. Whose heart we seek God with all of it. Turn back over to Acts chapter 8. In verse 30, it says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? Now, now y'all remember that I told you that story about my garage door and how that uh, you can be looking but not really looking or, or looking but not in the right place? Or looking but not knowing what you're looking at, which might have been my culprit. And here's what happens. Here is this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's looking. He's seeking. And here's Philip running beside the the chariot. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So now Philip gets up into the chariot and the chariot takes off again and Philip starts listening to him read the passage and and here actually what he uh, read was out of Isaiah but here's what I want to remind us as a church here at crossroads church and and that is this there are four things that if we say that we are seeking God these things should be evident in our life and and so the first thing is that we need to be confessing our sins regularly if You can't remember the last time you confessed your sins. Now is a good time to do that. This is something that should happen for all of us on a regular daily basis. Number two is that we need to read God's word. The three is we need to pray. We need to speak to God, ask God. And then finally, we've got to live it out. Well, if you turn over to Isaiah chapter 53, here is where he was reading, and, and actually they pulled out a snippet. And said, I want to read the entire chapter to you. Isaiah 53, and verse 1, it says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. You know, I got to believe that when the Ethiopian eunuch read that, that he was despised and rejected of men, I think he could identify with that. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that, we brought, that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. In verse 6 it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. There's a video meme going around social media circles right now, and there's this big trench, and the videographer is walking up, and, and there's just these two legs sticking up out of the trench. And, and you don't know what those legs belong to. And this guy goes in there and he pulls out this sheep. And, and he sets him on to the sturdy ground. And then the sheep is like, thanks for nothing, and takes off running and makes it about three hops and then jumps, and he's back in the ditch again. That's what he's talking about right here. All we like he sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. That's all of us, folks. We see, see. We can't seek God on our terms. Seeking God is not a smorgasbord. Seeking God is when you say, "Chef, feed me," and you don't know what's coming out of the kitchen, but whatever comes out of the kitchen is good for you. Whatever comes out of the kitchen is what you need. Verse seven. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. I didn't understand exactly what that, I thought it just meant the sheep were being silent in line. You know, like, I mean, you have a hundred sheep in line and, you know, they're just sitting there, okay, just waiting for their turn to get sheared. But um, I, I don't know what is going on, but there's, there's two types of videos that I'm fascinated with right now, all right? One is cleaning dirty pools. I don't have a pool. I don't want a pool, all right? I want a friend with a pool. Um, But I I see these videos, and and it starts off with this green grime, and then they transform it over four or five days, and then it's crystal clear water. I don't know what is it about that, but I, I like watching that transformation. And then the second type of video that keeps popping up is the video of sheep getting sheared. Like, these, these, are, these are sheep that have been neglected for years. I mean, like, you know, it just looks like a ball of wool, dirty wool. And then they, have you ever seen them shear a lamb? It's weird. They, they grab this lamb and then they start cutting and then they throw them on its side and then they keep peeling it because they, they try to get that all off in one piece. And that whole time, you know, that lamb's not making a sound. They're flipping them, rolling them, going this way, that way, and they're just, and it's got to hurt. And yet the Bible says, and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Now, I got to tell you, that's not us. If, if the Bible was talking about us, it would be talking about like a little piggy that gets picked up. Have you ever picked up a little piggy? What do they do? They squeal. That's right. I mean, you could pick them up as kind and gentle as you want, but they are going to? That's, that's what pigs do. But that's not what Jesus did. When Jesus took upon himself our transgressions, our sins, the Bible tells us that he was silent. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked. This is Isaiah. 300 years before telling about what Jesus Christ was going to go through on the crucifixion. And with a rich man in his death. Talking about the tomb that he was laid. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Verse 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And the reality is this, if you find yourself here today and you're not seeking God or you find yourself in the other camp where you're seeking God but you're not seeking him first, you know you you'll take him, if, if you have time left over, if you have money left over, if you have relationship space left over, you'll, you'll seek God. But it says here that when Jesus took upon himself our pain, our suffering, our guilt, he was silent and yet his soul was satisfied. Why? By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. You see, everything that we're going to talk about this week in Vacation Bible School centers around this. Seek truth and find Jesus. Seek truth and find Jesus. All right, you guys stay silent over here. This side, I'm going to say seek truth. I want to hear you guys say find Jesus. Got it? All right, seek truth. Jesus. Pretty good. All right, uh, I'm going to try this with you all. Okay. <laughs> seek truth. Jesus. All right. All right. Now let's all try it together. Seek truth. Jesus. How do how do we seek him? Do we seek him when it's convenient? Do we seek him when it works out for us? Do we seek him when life is going good? Do we seek him when? It see, or, or do we seek him when the wheels of life fall off? Do we seek him when we've tried everything in our own effort and, and there's nothing else that's going to work? So, you know what? I'll give this God thing a try. Whatever your reason is, Jeremiah 29 13 says this seek him with your whole heart. That's the secret. Verse 11 here, it says, that by many will be accounted righteous. You know, in the seats in front of you, in the, the, the back of that seat, there's a little blue card there. It's called a decision card. And the reality is this, that every one of you that are here today, every one of you that are watching online are making a decision. And the decision is this, am I going to seek God or not? And if I' am going to seek God am I going to seek him first? or am I going to let life get in the way? If you flip back over to Acts chapter 8 after they read through Isaiah in verse 34 the eunuch said to Philip about whom I ask you does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else and Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Did did y'all notice a trend when we were singing today? Each song was about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came near to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Folks, as you pull those cards out and you look at those, here's what I want you to understand is the the first question on there is about making a decision for Christ. To let Christ be your savior. Because the reality is this, as we read through Isaiah 53, it says that Jesus took upon himself our transgression, our sin. The world has a a funny way of, you know what, I don't want to be a part of any kind of religion where the God sends people to hell. Have you ever heard that before? I hear it a lot. And here's what I tell them. God knew that Ronnie Tabor would never, ever be able to live a perfect life. And God knew, you put your name in there, would never, ever be able to live a perfect life. And he knew that you were going to spend eternity in hell if he didn't do something about it. And so what he did was he became a human like us. He lived a perfect life. He was rejected by the people who were looking for him. He was crucified by those same people. He took upon himself my sins. He took upon himself your sins. He took upon himself the sins of the people who were hanging him on that cross. He took upon himself the sin of the people who were jeering and mocking and profaning his name. And it says as a lamb, he did it silently. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't complain. Because he wasn't complaining about what he had to go through because he was looking with joy to what you could go through if you would accept what he's done. Worship team, if you'll come back up. We're going to sing that song, My Jesus, one more time. Maybe this was the first time you'd ever heard it this morning. The words are going to be up there. And here's what I would encourage you is take those words and put them into your heart. And sing them back to God. Before we sing, let me just close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, you have been so good to us. You allowed a 10-year-old boy to find your word that had been hidden in a cave for thousands of years. God, you're so good to us in that Even if we spend months and years not seeking you, you're one decision away. God, you've been so good to us. Even when we seek you, God, but yet we don't make you our highest priority. Sometimes, God, you don't even make the top ten in our life. And yet, you love us. You care for us. God, I pray that everyone here, as we lift up the song to you, God, that that we would personalize. And God, we would make you my Jesus. That we would accept the gift of Calvary. And that we would live our lives in such a way that others would come to know. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.